What's good, y'all? Today I have another episode, and I'm extremely excited about the guy that I have on today. This man is my immediate national president of the Urban League Young Professionals. If you don't know what that organization is, you need to look into it, especially if you're between 21 and 40. And if you're not, and you're outside of that on the upper scale, you got other options as well with the deal. So do me a favor and make sure you pay close attention. This guy has a wealth of information and experience um, beyond what you probably are going to expect just because of the things that he's done, the engagements he's had, and the connections he's made. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. I've had conversations with him online, offline, and frankly, he's been a great tool in my in my growth as a young professional more than he realizes, more than I absolutely say. And um, I'm happy to have him here today. But before we get all the way started, you know how we get this thing going. And the first question, the most important question that allows him to be present in this interview is. Do you like your job? I do now. Hey, I like <laughs> I'm not mad at it because, I mean, stipulation is that you like your job to do this interview. And I can appreciate that because that means there's maybe been a journey or there's a story and that's real. And there may be a person today that's in a position that they can enjoy and they may need to take a similar journey need to hear your testimony. So I definitely appreciate that. I want to share, uh, if you want, um, a little bit more on what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, I um, right now I'm vice president for Regional Human Services Agency. And um, I'm going into my second year, um, but it was a little challenging coming in. Um, to an organization where literally all of the other vice presidents were homegrown from inside the agency. I was the first real external hire um, in 56 years that wasn't from inside the agency. And so um, my CEO and myself who wanted to tap bring me in, um, we had to kind of find that equal balance. Um, I had been an executive, I'd run my type of organization. And, and so I'm, you know, sometimes a young professional aggressive and putting new ideas out there. And she's been with the agency for over 47 years. Um, she's been a long time. She's kind of set in her ways. And so I had to find that balance of trying to understand who she was, um, building that relationship um, so we can have that trust and teamwork. Um, and, and you got to also understand generations. And so when I got to understand who she was and the generation that she came out of, and she saw that I was making an effort to understand her um, just as much as, um, in return for her to understand me, um, we now have a working relationship that's dynamic because um, we can be open, free, and honest uh, with each other. And she respects what I have to say, as I respect her as not only my, my president and CEO, but also as my as an elder uh, to me. So, um, you know, we, we, it's a better place. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So, it sounds like we're getting there. So, I'm curious to know what is the challenge of your position? Still haven't actually talked about what the actual job is, okay. you know, for the record, but what's the actual challenge of your position? So, um, so I'm the vice president of organizational development. Okay, and so what does that entail? Um, that is everything from uh, I oversee grants management, resource development, the communications, the brand, um, volunteer internships. Um, I'm a, and I'm very my department supports everything else that's going on programmatic within the agency. And so my department's fairly new. Um, it was only maybe six months before I got there. And so still trying to navigate within a, a system of others who've been there for a long time. The agency as a whole is beginning to adapt and change. So trying to find that right place to kind of work with everybody else. And again, like I said, I came from outside coming in to people who have been working with each other for at least the past five, ten years. Um, so you you begin to kind of build that trust and teamwork, letting everybody know that hey, I'm here to help. But at the end of the day, a lot Sometimes it comes to just people knowing who you are and you, you got to be able to do more than just talk you got to be able to walk and be able to let people see through your actions um, that you're not trying to step on their toes or you know you're respecting what they have as your colleague and so um it's, it's a lot of things about culture and understanding who you work with um, and it, one day you walk in and, and it'll be like wow you know that was we're getting there and i had one of those moments yesterday um with, with one of my vice presidents who i'd be perfectly honest um sometimes you feel like you want to pull your hair out um, but when i got to understand who she was and the, the kind of her background um i know what type of things to avoid and that's also leadership you learn when you're a chapter president within an urban league and you got your leadership team you gotta know everybody that's on that team and what, what buttons to push what buttons not to push um because at the end of the day you're trying to corral people to get them to go where you need them to go and so you know and that's a position you're in. Yeah, and the reason he's speaking to me like that is because I am a immediate past president myself here. Since <laughs> so we understand. <laughs> so we the It's the thing. Um, so, man, before we hop all the way into exactly what the title means and some of the titles before, so it actually becomes a little bit more clear. Mm -hmm. for people, uh, what was the first position that you remember wanting to have? Not first position. First profession. What was the first profession that you remember wanting to have as a youth? Um, so all of my training uh, was to be in vocal music performance. Um, I was going to be a I was being prepared to be a world famous opera singer. Um, I sing opera, classically trained. Um, I went to a arts high school, along with my academic high school. Um, so uh, my senior year came, and I had a full ride at Juilliard, Carnegie Mellon, Peabody, North Carolina School of the Arts, all for vocal music performance. And um, like many young people, I just had a session with some uh, with some high schoolers. Um, you get to that point, trying to figure out, am I making the right decision? We all have been there. Senior year, you want to college, you want to work, you want to military. You know, it's, it's all these life changing things. And so for me, um, I love to sing. However, it wasn't my only thing. I love politics and technology. I'm a tech nerd, and you know, and, and I love civil rights and being an activist. And it's just so many other things that were going on. Um, but going to conservatory, you have to be focused on that one thing. And so I made a life changing decision, and that was I didn't go to conservatory, and I took a whole other path route. Um, but 30 years later, I'm singing still with Virginia Opera Company. Um, and you know, so I tell people all the time I just did it my way. 
what age were you that you started singing? Like, you started preparing for opera, which is interesting. I would think that as a youth, you would start off just singing, and then maybe high school being guided to opera. But public schools, man, I started uh, elementary school, and my music teacher started taking notice, and then I was like an all-city chorus. And now, mind you, I was a boy soprano <laughs> until I was like 14 years old. Um, and it wasn't until middle school when I got to my um, my middle school course teacher. She was she also sang with Virginia Opera Company, and she's the one that taught me my first heart song. I mean, she actually tricked tricked me. She told me to go get my lunch, and the lunchroom used to be across from the course room, and I went and ate my food, and I came to, to sit with her, and so she was at the piano, and she says, "I want you to, to listen," and she started playing, and she started playing uh, "Punish Some Jellyfish" by Cesar I didn't know what that was, and she's singing in this other foreign language, and I'm like, wow, and I said, it's very beautiful, and she says, great, you're gonna learn it, and I learned the song, man, and then once I finished learning the song, she says, great, now you're gonna compete in the option to play a music contest, I'm like, what? <laughs> so not only learned my first art song, then I went to compete, and I got second place, and then the next year, I won first place. Wow, that's a story. That's how she uh, did that, and that's how the book started. I, I saw Corky and Bess, was my first opera I ever saw, and, and I told my mom, and then I said, I'm gonna be on that stage, and the next year I was, and I joined uh, Puccini's Tosca. And you have to maintain your vocals in order to be able to continue that skill. I want to that because my sister, she went to she went to Oberlin and uh, yeah, okay. she sang uh, opera there. Yep. And I know she did some of that in high school and now she got to go to some of her classes. Which one day I want to learn how to sing. Because I know how to sing. Well, let me correct myself. I know how to sing. I'm a phenomenal singer. And what I learned is it's you all's hearing that needs to be addressed. <laughs> and I've yet to be able to address you all's hearing in order to know how beautiful of a singer I actually am. That's frustrating. But one day I might get trained to see how I can adjust my voice, my own things that I can do, I guess, in order to allow you all the privilege of truly hearing my beauty. So you're like you're like a friend calls a unicorn, that, that voice. That's just yeah. especially unique in itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> perform, I don't even need vocals for that. That's true. Same you. All right. So uh, let's talk about um, your actual job. And uh, before we even start talking specifically about your job, do me a favor. Um, mention the titles before your current position. Okay. That, are connected to your current position and allowing people to truly see uh, what is it you've done and what is it you do. Okay, so I'll, um, I'll actually take you back here. So in college, I literally, well, I started working for Bank of America um, in college when I was at the opening in, and I um, started customer service. I was only a customer service agent on the phones for six months and then I became a research and adjustment analyst level three um, for the bank. And it, it's just a really glorified title that I ended up recuperating about $2.3 million for the bank in research um, and finding out things dealing with credit cards and so forth. Then I became assistant vice president of Bank of America, uh, associate uh, relations, um, left there, became a regional small relationship bank manager, uh, not relationship, a small retail manager for Sprint. This was the old Sprint before Sprint next day, so it was a horrible customer service with people in the fuss. Um, and I did that and I, and I actually call that my job year. I mean, I'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, but this is when I really was a pivotal point for me trying to determine whether or not I had made the right decision by not going to music school because I lost my position at Bank of America due to a merger. So I had between two banks, and so I uh, experienced my first corporate rift. But then I became it's kind of weird. I then became director of the Chamber of Commerce uh, at 24 years old. <laughs> yeah, um, first African American and the youngest to lead the third oldest local chamber in the entire country. Is this so how much? This is. This was, and, and I'll talk about local state because actually in 2003, when I was still at the bank, uh, my grandmother passed and I took a break from school um, just to kind of handle some things there. And then I started to go back um, in 2006. And then in 2007, my father passed and I had to be his power attorney. So there's a journey there that, that many people don't understand, even with the school stuff, that I was still moving forward. Um, and so four years at the chamber, and then I had an opportunity to run our education foundation for the school division, um, literally built the organization from the ground up, became an executive director of Norfolk Public Schools over community engagement, was there for nine years. Um, and then I left there and became the senior director of um, resource development and community engagement for a CAP agency, which is Community Action Partnership. Um, and I did that um, for a year and a half. Um, and then I left there to get in the position I'm in now. I'm vice president of organizational development for another CAP agency. Um, and so that's kind of a quick overview of uh, my career pathway. What does vice president of organizational development mean? So uh, again, like I said, with this particular position, um, I've got a division, I've got about five individuals that are working and um, we have interns, but we handle all the grants and I've got multi-million dollar grants that we not only manage, but we also um, apply for. And that's both government, federal, and as well as state nonprofit. And we also handle all resource development um, and that's smaller right now. We're doing this whole community uh, uh, impact campaign. Um, so it's kind of like a, a challenge campaign um, where uh, crowdfunding for individuals can help support the mission of the organization. But then I also have volunteers, communication, website, newsletters, our marketing, all of those things are, are done there, our annual report. Um, we do a community needs assessment. So every three years we're mandated that we go out and assess the clients in the community that we serve to ensure that what we're doing as far as programs and services are still aligned with what the community needs. So we, we when we say planning, we're looking at what we're doing, we're preparing for what we need to do, and then also I'm helping to support the overall agency to ensure that we have the necessary resources to help ensure that we can do the mission. Um, and then ultimately through all of that, that we're communicating to our stakeholders, to our board members, and to our clients what we're getting done. How much of your profession and your actual job is about relationships and building new relationships as well as maintaining current ones? It's, it's, a, it's a basis of everything. 
um, you know, when I talk about resource development and fundraising, uh, that's all about relationships. Um, people will um, people will listen to you because they know you, um, but people will give to you because they trust you. And that's only done through relationship building. And so um, getting in front of different businesses and, and industries and, and decision makers um, to let them know about the mission and what we do, and most importantly, showing the impact of what we do, um, that's, what I, that's what my main focus is, bringing new people to the table, cultivating those relationships, um, to be able to deepen those relationships to ultimately support the agency um, and its mission. Yeah. I'm, I'm so impressed at, at that position and, and that job because I remember being with a person who I see as a mentor. Mm-hmm. He sees me more as a friend. He likes things to be organic opposed to um, me being able to be like, yeah, you're my mentor. You don't like that. Um, and nonetheless, I look at this guy as, as a great um, person to look at who has developed relationships and an example. And one of the things I remember seeing because he invited me to an event was at this event, he's talking to this guy. He's talking to everyone. Everyone in Rome is like leaders inside of the city. And um, in the process, he's continuously engaging. And within maybe a split second, I watched him get $5,000. He made a quick $5,000 ask and had the follow-up response immediately with him just making sure that he followed through with um, make sure this guy had a little more information and the connection that he needed. And it was like, wow, that was the fastest $5,000 I've ever seen. I, I called him up. Hey, man, what, was, what was that? He was like, man, you got to realize. And I'd seen him actually at work outside of that on his actual at his actual facility. And so I know for a fact that he had been grooming this guy, developing genuine relationships. And I say grooming, that's misleading because it's not like it's cultivating. It's cultivating really. Exactly. And, and, and that's the problem with people seeing sales in a certain way or fundraising a certain way is because at the end of the day, this is my job and you're going to do it regardless. So why not develop genuine relationships, genuine connections? That way when we're doing business, we're enjoying the business that we're doing with one another. And it's not something that's going to be just mechanical. Like you don't have to hate your job. So why not make the people that you work with, people you enjoy working with? And so I think that's something that's missed. But I think witnessing that firsthand and seeing how I always say, if you want to raise your net worth, you have to raise your net worth. And that was the first time I seen it done in like the development realm where it's so literal. Like yeah. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about building relationships with people who are going to help elevate you. But it's like, no, that guy literally helped raise the net worth of that organization by being a donor. And it, it was extremely impressive. And so what, what's some of your experiences with that? How do you, how do you prove to people in the process of engaging them that you're genuine opposed to just selling them for, for your company? Well, I think it's one of the biggest things. Um, my time at the chamber really helped me. Um, and, and I'm talking about chamber of commerce. So I was the official representative um, in the voice of the business community um, in our city. Um, and I learned from, from working in the chamber that you've got to look at the uh, our member or the, that other business that they've got certain objectives and things that they've got to accomplish. And so I've always approached everything in respect of um, it's a mutual two-way street here. Um, you, you know, nine out of 10 times working for a nonprofit, I need support uh, to be able to support our mission. But I'm also interested in what are some of the objectives and the things that you need to accomplish so that we can work together and find a commonality where that it can be mutually beneficial. And so when I, when I meet with somebody, I'm not going to just ask them for money off the bat. I'm going to ask you, can we go grab coffee? Or, or can we have a Zoom meeting in this day and age now? Um, you know, can I share? Uh, you Okay, can I get some time? You know, can I invite you to a small little virtual open house that we're doing as opposed to an in-person open house? But how can I put information in front of you, share it in an authentic conversation about how we do uh, do things, and then most importantly, being able to answer questions that you have and be able to provide some examples as to how you can help support the mission. Um, and then in that conversation, you do follow-ups. Um, you make it now personalized and individualized to that person and understanding those objectives. Also, you gotta do your homework. Um, you can't just call cold call. So if you meet somebody, you get a business card, and you don't really understand what they do, it's incumbent upon you to go back and now do your research. And this is where great LinkedIn and other things come in to also identify who are some of those connecting relationships because you may not necessarily have a relationship, um, but you may find somebody within that person's network that you have a relationship who can make that introduction for you. So it's, it's also that other thing. Um, I remember when I was in uh, my last conference uh, when we were uh, in Indianapolis, uh, and somebody, the, the newspaper there was interviewing me, and they wanted to ask me about Pete Buttigieg. Um, they were like, you know, he's running this when the nominations were still out there, and they were like, you know, how does he, uh, he's, he's still having challenges getting into the African-American community. What suggestion would you give to Pete Buttigieg to ensure that, you know, he, he could, you know, be more uh, accessible to the African-American community? And I gave him a simple example. I said, Pete Buttigieg needs an African-American within our community that the African-American community respects. And, and I said that in the respect uh, because when that person speaks up, like James Clyburn did for Joe Biden in South Carolina, when they speak because he had street cred, people will then be more acceptable to listening to you because somebody can vouch for you. They can give you credit. And so I use that, that, that same example in the respect of network, finding people who may be able to make that introduction for you um, so that it's not just a cold call that will help and you then beginning to develop your own relationship and understanding and having a mutual authentic conversation with them get to know them what school they go to what are some of their interests what are some of the things that they might be looking for not just with the business this is how you begin to, to have that type of relationship it's like golf you know finding different things that over a period of time and then you may cultivate a relationship a year six months to a year or even longer before you even make an ask uh, of someone um, so that the timing is right and that you understand that that relationship is a solid relationship um and that, that person wants to like i said they trust you and they know that whatever investment they make that's going to go to the, to the right thing yeah and i appreciate the way you broke that down i like uh stephen Covey's book the seven habits mm-hmm. and he preaches a lot about not doing win-lose yep. uh, not really compromising i know that most times people think that that's the necessity is to compromise I, i'm honest I, I genuinely don't I, I believe in what he talks about which is the win-win mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people think that's possible 
hope, but it really is with synergy and understanding and truly flushing things out to figure out a way that the person doesn't come out feeling like they didn't get everything they wanted out of it. Because when you come out of it and you're like, okay, I gave a little, they gave a little, neither one of you feel completely full. You are like, it got done and you're like, good. But that's not going to keep this is this relationship going until you figure out how this person can leave field. And a win-win is exactly that, especially when you know how to um, touch that person where in their heart where they want to be. Like, it's like, this is what matters to me. And if you can connect that, and, and it's not manipulation, I want you to connect that because I want to help that. So if you can connect that, then I'm going to be more than willing to do this for you, which is obviously a win for you. And it's a win for me because we both ended up at the same place that we wanted to be, opposed to me feeling like I came out a little bit taken advantage of. Yeah. Um, and, and so so I, I hear the skill set of social skills, interpersonal, being, having interpersonal skills. Um, I hear resourcefulness. I hear being a critical thinker. What are some of the other skills that I may not have mentioned? Or if you want to develop on some of the, the skills that I mentioned uh, that are required to do your position? And are you required to be a extrovert? Ooh. <laughs> so I'll start there. In full transparency, I am an introvert extrovert. I love people. However, it takes a lot of energy for me. And in many respects, even when I was at the Urban League, I would love to be around my presidents. I'd love to go out and be around the members and, and talk. But there was time I would tell every president if I needed to come into a city, please don't schedule every moment of my time because I need time to just go be by myself to recharge um, and, and, and to come back out. So um, you got to know who you are um, and you also have to manage for your self-care um, in the respect of what you can give and also to set up boundaries for yourself um, in the respect of I will give up this much time. Um, it was joked for many years um, about me not being at the late, late parties um, sometimes so with the, with the YPs. And if I show my face, it was a big deal. Yo, President Clay's out here. Um, but that's because there's a certain time I got to get rest because I need to get up and you know, I know what I need to get. So um, I'm an introvert, extrovert, but know who you are. Um, but there is a certain level of extrovertness that you need to be able uh, to have. Uh, it's not easy to go in and talk to a person. If you're an introvert, it's going to be very challenging for you um, to, to, to approach somebody. However, it doesn't mean that you, you can't work it. And this is where I will challenge people um, to find out um, and to seek out additional professional development outside of your work. Join a Toastmaster Club. Um, join, um, you know, uh, uh, it's um, Dale Carnegie. Uh, you know, a lot of these different groups that are out there, they are really young professionals, um, you know, uh, that will give you an opportunity to be around people, give you an opportunity to be able to work outside something that may be outside of your comfort zone so that you can learn additional skills, but also those interpersonal skills. Um, but Dale Carnegie and, and Toastmasters are going to help you with your table topics. They're going to help you with your presentation skills. They're going to help you in the ability of being able to present yourself um, and, and, and to get in front of individuals and be able to give that 30 second, you know, uh, pitch speak of who I am and being able to take cues and, and be able to have those authentic types of conversations. So those would be some things that I would say to help cultivate you. Um, seek out those additional, and I'm sure there are many others, um, but seek out those um, professional development opportunities outside of work that will help you better yourself in your professional role. Um, and I don't know person's going to do that for you is you. That's when you have to take that time to reinvest in yourself. Yeah, so just since you mentioned Toastmasters, uh, can you elaborate on that? Because I've gotten to attend a Toastmasters meeting, but the name Toastmasters doesn't necessarily give you what it helps you. <laughs> so if you don't mind, can you elaborate on what Toastmasters is? Yeah, Toastmasters is one. It's an international uh, speaking organization um, development. Um, I actually got my first start in Toastmasters back at Bank of America. Um, <clears throat> I've become an area director. Um, so you've got chapters. And so many times you'll find community chapters. It might be something associated with your companies. But you will find their different their tracks. There's your leadership tracks. There's your speaking tracks. And then as you begin to um, become a, a distinguished, select distinguished, president distinguished, Toastmaster, you, as you develop, and, you're, and they give you the actual tools. Um, in many cases, a lot of people just don't like talking in front of people. But being able to get in front of people and be in an environment where it's nurturing and coaching and people give you constructive feedback that not only is helping you to be in a situation where you receive feedback and know how to use it um, but it's a great organization there's contests there's leadership tracks um it's a great opportunity to develop um, your sales presentations i mean there, there's tons of different tracks depending on what you want to be able to do in toastmaster so i i wholeheartedly support that uh that endeavor and, and tell folks to reach out you know go online to their website you can find a local group there in your, in your area and check them out so having been a business development guy for two years and mm -hmm. now in charge of uh launching this company over here so pretty much all of the above i fully understand how this job comes down to so much related to you, your personality, what you're able to pull out of yourself and leave with someone else so they want to accept it, that you have to develop yourself as much as develop your business and the finances in that business. And I want to sit here for a little bit because I think that you're a perfect person to talk about this. And I'm realizing that, that I, I have to do this with you, if anybody. And that's a, the conversation about leveraging your platforms, leveraging the organizations you've participated in and even the things you've done. Because a perfect example, my own personal testimony, some people have heard it, uh, it's connected to the fact that I know that I was a case manager, a lowly case manager inside of a nonprofit. I hate saying lowly because I absolutely love that job. It just paid me nothing. And at times it treated me like crap. Um, but outside of that, I love the job. I think the job is amazing. If they pay those people more, uh, that would be something I would be willing to donate maybe five hours a week to. But you can do that through just mentorships. Nonetheless, when I joined YP, it elevated me. As I was able to start doing interviews to become one of the youngest supervisors at an organization, doing a position that really surprised most of the people inside of that company, uh, it, it was because I was able to say I was vice president of this organization that's a part of this a national organization, but I was vice president here in the city. And I go to all these trainings each each year. We do our own things here. We're developing our sales. We're developing the people in the community. We're making sure people have the talent and the community has the needs that they, they, they have to have. And I also was at the same time, for one year, I was vice president of YP. I was vice president of 5 Incorporated, Delta 
Theta Sigma chapter um, here in Cincinnati. And it was just like a lot of those things allowed me to get the experience and frankly to discover the actual job that I want, which was becoming a business development guy and now getting all the way into the business of business. Like I, I always want to do that without having to go back and get an extra degree. So I leveraged these things in my interviews, in my conversations, as well as really locked in and honed the skills that I need to have while I was trying to develop my chapter. So I know you former national president. Obviously, you played other roles within the national organization of the Urban League. But you also are a member of Alpha Phi Alpha. You're also obviously a former participant in Toastmasters. You're also, you can fill the blank in. So if you don't mind, can you really break down how, frankly, doing a lot of this stuff, which was free. We might know that. <laughs> a lot of stuff that was free yeah. in order to help you get to where you are and develop into the person that you are. So there's a term. There's a people take away. It's called transferable skills. Mm -hmm. um, and so in all of these roles and these opportunities, there's a certain skill set. There's something new that you're now able to place onto your resume. Just like you were saying that you were vice president um, of this, of your chapter. Um, that's, a, that's a leadership role. And there's certain things that come along with what you're doing there. Now they get added all to your transferable skills. Um, and so when I think about every position I've ever had, and when I look back now, um, every position I've ever had prepared me for the next. Um, and, and this is important for people to understand. Every position isn't going to necessarily be one that's going to elevate you to another level. You may be able to find positions that might be a unilateral move, and, but it may be a unilateral move in respect of um, salary or even title or organization. But there's a different new skill set that you're taking out of it. And so you're able now to pull in some new things to place onto your resume. And the more skill sets that you have, the more things that you can talk about with experience and for your interviews for the next level. And so um, I'll give you a perfect example. So when I, when I mentioned to Bank of America, when I got hired at Bank of America, I went in um, <laughs> and the hiring manager was not going to hire me. Um, she told me, she said, I think you're gonna get bored with this job. You know, you seem like a very smart, intelligent guy. So doing customer service and credit cards on the phone, I, I don't think that you're going to be successful. And I had to tell her, um, you know, if you open the door and allow me to get my foot in, just allow me to do the rest. Um, and two years later from that time from when she hired me, she was retiring after 30 years with the bank. And she said in her retirement, there are two hires that stand out to me in my 30 year career. She mentioned another young man and she mentioned me. And she said, Carlos came in here six months on the phones. And then he was in, he was in a, a management, in another position. And then he, a year later, became an assistant, he became an officer. And then a year after that, he became uh, an assistant vice president. But what I realized was that even while I was on the phones, you know, you think about it, I'm sitting on the phone doing all these things. I volunteered for various projects. I volunteered every time I needed somebody. My hand was up, let me go work on this one. Because guess what? The only way for me to be seen and for others to understand what I was doing is that I had to be present, whether or not I was receiving extra compensation right now. And people have to understand and realize that everything isn't the immediate right there. You have to plant a seed in something and cultivate that. And that's kind of with your time, energy, and you putting your talents for so that other people can see it. I'm going to tell you. We had what we call the Bank of America spirit. This is where it changed for me. My um, uh, senior site leader came in, literally pulled me into a conference room, and she said, I got the, it was this notebook about this thing. <laughs> she, she said, I want you to go home, I want you to read this thing, come back and tell me tomorrow what this thing is. And it was the new Bank of America spirit, and it was a major site project. So huge. It was for the entire site of about almost 3,000 employees. I had to coordinate, manage all this stuff. Now, mind you, I am 22 years old. Okay? 22 years old. I managed this. I did this. I pulled all this stuff together. That's when I was awarded my officer title. Not only from that, because the corporation, Bank of America Corporate, realized what I did there. They did give me the International Children's Poster Contest for the entire bank company, for the entire bank worldwide. So it was another project. I wasn't getting extra compensation, a compensation off of it, but it was the kudos. Like pulling this off, great. Senior leaders coming in, seeing what else I got. Guess what? They rewarded me with an assistant vice president title. So, well, as this is happening, for things that I was volunteering for, well, with all these new titles and new things, guess what? My compensation was going up, 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 up. And so it may not be what you're doing in the immediate job, but a lot of times it's about the time and the effort that you place out there and building relationships with people. That, um, and I'll put it in this one thing, I, and I won't stay too long, but I was speaking to some young men last night, well, two nights ago, um, in the Embodied the Deltas um, mentoring program. And they said, well, what, you know, if you could leave something with a young man, what would you say? I said, you know, I said this many times before, you know, it's been said that it's about what you know. And then people told it's about who you know. But honestly, I would remind people it's about who knows you. Oh, so, I, I, I said that in so many interviews. Come on, man. Somebody finally got there. Yeah, man. Because at the end of the day, every position that I had ever had outside of my first interview was because somebody knew me. It was because I came to mind. So when you think about it, when I told you I went from Sprint as a retail, uh, small business retail um, sales agent, okay, to director of the chamber, it's because somebody knew me who could vouch for me at the chamber. And matter of fact, that when I tell you I had that moment, that I didn't feel like I was prepared. I didn't feel like I was ready um, to, to be director of the chamber of commerce. And this young man who I went to college with, who was my secretary when I was president of the College Democrats, was now the assistant director at the chamber and was like, bro, this position has your name written all over it. Just apply for it. And many times we have so much self-doubt in ourselves that we won't even apply for things for the simple fact of, object, uh, of being rejected. Well, you don't want to have what it could have should have moments in your life. And so you've got to be willing to put your foot out there, put yourself out there. And whether or not you get the position at that time or uh, place, being able to get the necessary feedback to figure out what is it do I need to adjust to do to make myself better so that I can align myself to be better prepared for the next role. And I'll tell you, that changed my entire trajectory because guess what? When I left Bank of America, that was the last time I worked in corporate America. I had then found my niche, which has been in nonprofit. And that's where my passion and where my heart has been. And, but everything that I learned at Bank of America helped me to be prepared to be the director of the Chamber of Commerce in Morgan. Man, have the audacity to show up regardless of potential rejection as the person that you believe yourself to be. And frankly, at the end of the day, they get to decide whether or not they see that as the truth. And more importantly, by you showing up, you get that experience, man. And that's what I'm hearing. It's just, it's just the audacity to know what you've done, know your value. Um, 
be able to continue to develop that value and allow people to witness the value in order for you to actually receive the value that you've been working hard for this whole time. Yeah. And uh, I definitely like that, man. So let's, let's just say here, since you're a Native American, and we take, it sounds like we probably go back to you mentioned college. Um, and you got to start from college. Unless it goes before that. When it comes to getting to where you are now professionally, tell me your, your, your actual journey, your, your professional journey. What were your college degrees? And if anything you did in college helps you get here. So actually, we'll go a little bit further. So it was in let's, middle school, sixth grade. I got involved in a co-curricular student organization. Some people may remember some of these names. FBLA, DECA, TSA, Technology Student Association. These were all these career CTE, co-curricular student organizations. And I got involved in FBLA and TSA. And I became an officer um, in the Technology Student Association before 9-11 and, and Homeland Security created TSA. Um, <laughs> but um, I became a chapter officer. I then became a regional president. I then became the first black state president. And then um, I ran for national president. In that organization, that really helped shape the foundation of skill sets, leadership, understanding. There was a book, and actually, you all probably see my chapter, President Handbook, that I've given out, has a lot of the things that I took from when I was in TSA. It taught people about tipping, it talked about communication, writing um, skills, soft skills that at a high school level I was learning. So that when I got to college, I already had the skills, and many people started to try to learn those things, prepare them uh, professionally. So I always, from an earlier, keeping you know, a tight on those things, that when I got to college and, and beyond, those things have just been with me all the way through. Now, the thing about college, and what many people don't know, is that I, like I mentioned, 2003, my grandma passed away. So I, I stopped, I'm still working, I work full time. Um, I put myself through school, okay? So I was working a full time job and literally going to school on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I worked 10 hour shifts on Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. Um, and then when um, I stepped away, and I went to, um, uh, was still with the, now at the chamber, um, going back, I had to go finish up things. Then I had to become power attorney for my dad. Then my dad passed away, and, and I stepped away from school. So mind you, now I'm 28 now. I still not finished my degree. However, I'm still director of the chamber. I took all these other skill sets and certifications that I had received. I also had my six sigma certification I received from Bank of America. So I got all these certifications before you graduate. Before I graduate, I got my six sigma when I worked for the bank because I took advantage of their American Management um, Association trainings. So I learned time management, all these things that were free to me as an employee. That I was like, hey, I'm building all these things. So then I got involved in um, when I was at chamber. The chamber has a certification that they give called an IOM, Institute of Organizational Management. I received that um, when I was at chamber. But mind you, I still hadn't got the BSA BA yet. Uh, but I have all these certifications that are in there. Mind you, my mentors and others that were back at school kept going. You need to come back and finish this degree. I'm like, okay, I'll get there because guess what? I'm being successful. I mean, what else do I need? This people people want me to go back. So I then I'm executive director of my um, of the foundation. I'm doing well. It wasn't until my mentee, um, who um, he's, he's like a little brother, I love him dearly. Um, there were many times when he wanted to drop out of school, and he didn't understand why I was so hard on him to stay and finish. And um, it wasn't until I watched him walk across the stage um, at my alma mater, and it wasn't until um, we were having dinner, maybe we got to his graduation, and um, I told him, I said, you know, you've done something I haven't done yet. And he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, to him, I've done everything. <laughs> he said, what are you talking about? I said, you have something I don't have. And he's like, what? You know? And I told him, I said, you got your degree. And he said, what? He said, you? I said, no. I said, I'm an alum. I'm just not a graduate right now. And I said, and because of you, I've gone ahead and stopped pulling off and I've gone ahead and re-enrolled. And I said, I've got a literally three semesters. <laughs> I've got a year and a half left that I need to finish here. But it's almost a good year, but I changed my entire, um, what I started off as a freshman wasn't who I was today. And so I literally went back. Um, and while I was still national president, matter of fact, at a conference, um, I think we were in Columbus, Ohio. I was my final semester. Um, and I was literally at 6 a.m. in the morning um, taking a, a proctored exam for, for school and finishing that exam, getting dressed and going out and doing it a full day. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> so I came back and literally, um, Graduated with that and enrolled in my, my master's program, and my focus now is towards getting my doctorate. But I say that to everybody in the respect that, you know, and now me serving on the school board um, here and being an elected official, that's, that's a whole other thing for me, um, is reminding folks that you choose your pathway and, and the road that you take. And no matter what, uh, how you know, things deviate and things may come out in life, it's all about you going back and completing the things that you feel that are important to you. And for me, um, though I was successful, that is still something that, you know, this is why when people look back and say, well, he's a member of Alpha. Well, I couldn't be a member of Alpha until I got the degree. And so for many years, brothers of Alpha were looking at me going, no, you're out of the wilderness. Why are you not a member of this chapter? I mean, why are you not a member of this fraternity? You know, we, we want you here, but you can't be until you graduate. And so it wasn't just those things. Huh? You're talking about grad chapter. Grad chapter. I mean, yeah, I mean, but we go back to undergrad. You know, some other things. You're doing undergrad. That's why I say you mean grad chapter. When you exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there were a lot of things for me. I mean, I told folks, I said, you know, I speak, you know, I share my story um, with others to say, hey, if you're in a situation where, hey, you may have started something and you didn't finish, it's never too late. And don't think that you have to go and, um, you know, maybe you did a four year uh, school. And before you just didn't work out for you right then and there, go to community college. Get, get your undergrad stuff out of the way and then, you know, go in and then focus on some of those major courses. Um, but at the same time, look at professional development. I got my certification in nonprofit management. If you look at my resume, it's there. I've got institutional organization management certification and all these different things. They're true. They're there. They're all things that I'm capable in. And but each of the positions that I got was not based on just a degree. It was based on, oh, he's got a skill set. And that's what we need more than anything right now. And I was able to demonstrate. But there also gets to a certain point where you get up 
to a certain level where you're going to need those credentials. And so, and that's one of the things that for me, I made that conscious decision that, yeah, let me go and get this out of the way. Um, this is not going to take much longer. And honestly, I want to be Dr. Clinton one day. And so let me just go back and finish these other things because my, my second act out of everything that I do in my normal professional career, when I retire, you know, I want to retire and consult. Um, that's why my degree was changed to training. Uh, I'm a uh, training manager. You know, it's, it's all about training specialists. So I can develop curriculum and do all the other things. And I had the end game in mind that with this experience of running a chamber, nonprofit management, being a certified parliamentarian, all these other things, I'm creating what my second act will be. I will have a certification and the credentials to be able to say, hey, I can come in and help you with your organizations and consult. So that's the next thing I want to do in life. So, so you, you you mentioned your degree. What, mm -hmm. what is the official title of your, of your bachelor's? So I have a bachelor's of science and it's as a training specialist. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you have a master's. I'm working on my master's. I'm going to be done with that in another semester. And that will be at National Public Administration. In okay. And your bachelor's, did that help you? Is that the reason why you chose to go back and get it? Outside of, I know you said your, your mentee um, inspired you to, but what was the need? Because you said it helped you be able to move up and, and break down some of the barriers that may have been present for you. So you got to think about it. Um, in certain places, if you want to go, you're going to need to have, for them, the gateway is making sure that you've got that bachelor's as well as in many cases, you have that master's level degree. And so when you start thinking about, um, you know, if I want to be president of a national organization, I'm going to need to have those things. Um, if I want to be um, somewhere outside, and I, and I will say, I'm in my geographic location. So there may have been a little bit, because people knew me and knew my work, that helped to kind of vouch for certain things that I didn't have. And so if I want to ever go outside of the area and someone who may not know me or doing a national search, you got to make sure you have all those other things in place. And so you don't ever want to have an opportunity to present itself and you not be prepared to be able to accept it more. Mm -hmm. And you also brought something to light that I think was very important, especially because I know you talk about student loans so much that I, I do think it's important to let people know about the trade opportunities and let people know that they can become very successful and, and, and achieve heights like you had uh, without officially getting your degree. Um, and I think that's important people know that so they don't just give up their lives they didn't finish college or they didn't go to college. But the other part of this conversation is you mentioned being a non-traditional student, yeah. which is so important because the other part of what you said was you switched what that degree was because you were no longer who you were um, when you were that younger guy in college yeah. compared to who you are now. And that allowed you to go ahead and make a more informed decision, which allows you to make money in the actual industry you got your degree in. And I think that's also the importance that uh, comes at, as Americans, we don't really get this, or very people who aren't wealthy don't get this. But I've heard from friends who are from Europe, mm -hmm. uh, the drop year, you yeah. know, where they take off. I think one of my friends once they graduate high school and then they take a year off and then they start up something like that. Yeah, yeah she, she, she find herself. <laughs> they kind of kind of find what, what, is, what is your interest. It's like that same thing that I mentioned about doing music. I dropped out of uh, going to conservatory two weeks before graduation because there'll be immense amount of stress around is that the right decision. Um, and so I ended up going to an HBCU, Norfolk State, here um, because that was really a time for me to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. Um, but you know, you you you, you kind of you get into a situation where you can understand like, um, and, and I'll, I'll share this that one of the things that I realized was when I came back, I had to provide my resume. There were at least three courses that automatically I tested out of because of my experience. <laughs> and for my master's program, accepted off of my resume alone. Because honestly, if I wanted to, I could have done an executive level because of the experiences over the years that I had. So it was a it's, it's a win-win thing. Honestly, some of the classes I could have taught myself because I had real world experience. But it was kind of cool being in these as a non-traditional student, being in, in a class. And many times it would be I had to go to a class, like there was literally a class I had that was in the middle of my workday. Anybody knows me, I'm typically in shirt, bow tie, suit. So I'm walking in and I'm in a marketing class and everyone's trying to figure out they honestly thought I was another professor that was observing the, the other professor um, who actually was a former teacher uh, in my public school system who knew me. Um, and I went, I seen her to her there, but it was so cool. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed every experience going back because I was in a different role, a unique role where I was able to, honestly, so many of the undergrad students flocked to me um, for, you know, to be able to speak and for me to impart knowledge and to support. And they'd be like, wow, you know, and so, and, and a lot of them, I told them, I said, yeah, I'm back trying to get this thing done here. I said, but you know, I've got this experience, blah, 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 blah. and I keep up with a lot of them today. And, you know, it, so I, this is why I get into the whole other thing. You really don't know how your steps are ordered and everything comes into full light. And so people ask me, would you have changed anything? I said, no, everything uh, happens for a reason. Because I'll tell you this, I believe that if I had gone to conservatory, and I had gone along with what somebody else was preparing for me, I would have never been president of the National Rugby League. I would have never have been director of the Chamber of Commerce. I would have never done all these other things because I would have taken another path. So everything happens for a reason, and, um, and I wouldn't change anything about it. That's phenomenal, man. Let's, let's stay on the conversation of your journey and your path. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that you, frankly, you beat out what many of us have to deal with when we graduate as a traditional student, which is you go into a job, and they're asking for you to have experience, and you're like, that's what I came to you for. So you, you, actually, <laughs> you got the, the, the step on us with that one. Um, but so, so we've heard your experiences in between. Mm -hmm. uh, do me a favor, and just to job title-wise, literally map it out for us, including like, I did these jobs right here. I got my degree. I elevated. I got. I started. I got, went back to school. I'm still doing this job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, map, map that out for us. So my um, freshman year in college, I worked as a night auditor for a hotel. 
Um, so that's what I did on Fridays and Saturday nights. So I did schooling. And I like the whole idea of doing it being a night auditor because that's the time when I did my major assignments. So everything was quiet. And so one to five o'clock in the morning, I was working, uh, doing schoolwork. And um, so I left that and I'm all opened up and I went to go work for Lens Crafters and I worked as a jeweler. So um, I worked two jobs at the same time. Um, and then I left there and I worked on some campaigns. Uh, well, I worked on campaigns at the same time. And that's when I went to Bank of America. And Bank of America was my first corporate like job um, in customer service. And I was a customer service uh, representative. And then that's when I went to the um, research and adjustment analyst and then associate experience. And then I became an assistant manager in claims. And then I became the associate experience manager for government card services. Um, and I did that. The merger happened, um, lost my position there with several of us around the bank. And then that's when I had what I call my Joe moment because I lost my position on August 14th of 2000 and, um, 2004. And um, I went to actually get into the management training program for um, USAA insurance. So I went through the training program for six weeks and I took the final exam and I told them this isn't for me. <laughs> I passed the exam, everything. I was like, this just isn't me. I'm too creative. I, this is just too rigid, the same thing for me. So um, I left and then that's when I got hired by Sprint. I went to work at Sprint. And then that's when I uh, got the position with the Chamber of Commerce um, as the uh, Norfolk Division Director. I worked there four years. Um, the recession hit. Um, lost my position there because the chamber had to reorg. Um, I became a um, corporate businessman executive with LTD management. And I did that just for six months because guess what? A member of my board at the chamber was the executive for LTD management. Saw what happened with my position being eliminated there. Literally gave me a job. Um, and that's how I began working with Marriott and understanding hospitality. Um, and so that was a skill set. I did that for six months. At the same time, leadership, the mayor and others here in the school division were literally creating this new executive position for me that I started on July 1. So a position was being created for me um, to build this foundation from the ground up while he was maintaining for me with another position that I was still gaining great experience from and having a great time. But I knew that on July 1, I was going to become the executive director, the first one for a completely brand organization where I walked in and all I had was a phone and a card table in a corner. And I worked <laughs> until they built out our offices because we had to pay for it. And um, I did that for nine years. Um, and then senior director, uh, resource development, community engagement with the CAP agency, and now vice president um, of uh, organizational development. So that's kind of the career, uh, professional career, and then of course, other different positions along the way. Um, but every last one of those things helped me prepare um, because I was a corporate trainer, governance trainer for the Virginia School Board Association. I did that for six years. Um, so I trained school board members on what they're supposed to do and Robert Rules of Order. Um, but I learned Robert Rules of Order when I was in middle school, when I was in TSA. When other kids were reading Goosebumps and all these other books, I was reading Robert Rules of Order front and back. I was just enamored with uh, that. Yeah, I was weird. <laughs> no, no, but I need you to understand for clarity that is weird. <laughs> No, it was, it was it, you know, I love, I love how things work. There's a test that you take in second grade um, to find out where kids are and where they, where, they, where they tick. And I'm a very big picture. And then I like to break it down, how to get to the big picture and what are all the elements in order to get there. So I've been told that I'm very strategic because, um, you know, even national president, even my chapter, when I was chapter president, we became national chapter of the year twice. Um, and that's because I was strategic. I wanted, I got my entire organization, my membership, my leadership to understand that we wanted to be national chapter of the year. What did it take to get us there? And once we got big picture, got everyone to see the vision, we broke that thing down. These are the things that we got to do in order to get there. And we've got to be laser-like focused. And so that's kind of how I've been in my career, though it's been organic. I've always known that I had my family, I had my family's name, I had my niece and my two nephews looking up to me. And so to be that example, um, and a lot of times to be in spaces where I'm the first, um, was sometimes undaunting. I mean, director of the chamber, I'm gonna tell you, there's two black directors in the entire state of Virginia, okay? And I was one of them. When I went to the US Chamber of Commerce, you know, a lot of times you being the only one in a room, you had to learn quickly um, that, you know, it, it, was, it was stressful sometimes, but there are many cases where you may be the only one, but being so solid in your foundation as to who you are and being operating in your space, this is how I know that I can be out, I can operate on the streets back home and, and, and you know, in Park Place and Point in Norfolk, but then I can also be in a corporate room. And I've got to know how to communicate um, with everybody and meeting people where they are um, and being able to, to do the lingo and do the language and, you know, get things moving. So hold on, I, I got so many different things I want to bring up uh, because obviously I would only expect to have to do that. You said so many different things, so I'm gonna work myself from where you were to where you are now. Because okay. uh, I'm just because I know what I want to talk about each thing. I'm like, ah, I gotta do it. Like, like, like. All right, so first off, um, know who you are. Like that was a powerful thing in itself. It's like I, I did things, but I also turned down opportunities. I'm betting USAA was gonna actually pay you well, but it was things I was like, this isn't me. And so you made intentional decisions based off of that. Yeah. Do me a favor and explain, because you're the second person that's brought up the the idea, the concept of an organization creating a position because of them knowing you and the skill sets that you have. Mm -hmm. And how does that happen? How does one even if, if you seek it or how does one even get that to come about? 
So first of all, you know, it's not a good voice system uh, at that. But in many times you'll find an organization no have, has identified that there are certain things that they want to accomplish and get done, and the current structure that they have in place uh, doesn't uh, allow them the opportunity to do that, and, and or that they may need to invest in some new human capital or to make some adjustments in order to accomplish those goals. And so for uh, me at that time, the school division wanted to establish its own education foundation. Um, the city wanted to be able to support that because they were looking at how do we get more volunteers and get more um, investments and be able to raise dollars that are non-governmental dollars to be able to support public education. Well, my skill set from the chamber, I know how to work with the board because I had a board with the chamber, fundraising, I was doing events and fundraising, I'm at the chamber. So these are all transferable skill sets. And because the superintendent of schools served on my board, okay? So I had one board member who was giving me a job to hold me over until the other positions was started within the funding cycle, which was on July 1. And while this other individual was working with others to say, hey, this guy has the skill sets that we need to accomplish this. We want him to be that next person. And so I went through, I interviewed and went through the whole process, but the position was being created with the intention of me coming over um, and being able to stand up that organization. And, and, and that's what I did. It, it became the passion for me. And honestly, that was the longest period, any place that I'd ever been, nine years um, in that role. And then uh, I just came in running the foundation. And But then I had three years later, a superintendent come in and say, hey, I want you as a member of my cabinet. So then I became an executive director of the school division, still with the foundation, but I was over all community engagement. Um, so there were positions within positions, but when people see your work and they see what you bring to the table, um, and they see your commitment, they will reward you. People will, will, will elevate you. People will place you in position that you've got to be present and you've got to be, uh, and you've got to be ready. You know, and, and for far too often, people have opportunities that are in front of them. They're not ready. They, and when I say they're not ready, it's that they haven't put the necessary things in place for them to be able uh, to be lifted up to another role. I.e., I needed to get that degree piece done if I ever wanted to be uh, a secretary in the state on a governor's cabinet or I wanted to, to be in anywhere else, I needed to have that done. So never uh, be in a position where you're not ready, that you haven't done the necessary groundwork so that when those doors of op opportunity open, you have more you're in a position that you can walk in with confidence knowing that you've done everything else and you now just need to perform in the respect of demonstrating that in your interview and, and, and going from there. Yeah, man, stay ready. You don't got to get ready. And uh, with your background, with your experiences, it's also important to highlight that some of that staying ready is that free work. It's those organizations. So that's that, 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 that opportunity. When you see, if you have a job that has opportunities to develop you for free, yeah, it'd be great to go to happy hour and be great to go chill and do what you want. But it's even better to make sure that you go ahead and take advantage of all of that free personal and professional development that they're going to provide for you because you don't know if that's going to come around again. And it also may prepare you in advance for these things. So having been in, uh, and this is the other part that really got me excited. So I'm glad I saved you. <laughs> last thing. Um, you, you brought up the fact of being the first, but also even if you're not the first, because there's a lot of people out there, especially like myself and in, in my industry of construction, that when you want to room, you may not be the first, but you absolutely could be the only and that is an experience in itself and the adjustments that come with that uh the awareness that you have and the awareness that you have that you know they have but they don't act like they don't know because <laughs> haven't been in events i love the fact that i love all my people i've engaged with you all were completely fun hit me up if, uh, if you haven't spoken to me recently but i'm not fooled to know that as the only black man in the room when you walk up to me and say hey mario and you're super excited because you remember my name i was the hardest name to remember most famous video game and the only black face in the room which makes my name super easy to remember i'm brandable so just talk, and, and just talk about what it's like how you have to work through what you've done because it, it shouldn't be working through and people don't understand that but it is yeah, because there's barriers in that room that Many people that are even kind don't realize they have up and you have to work through. Yeah. So I think I mentioned about the Institute of Organizational Management um, certification I got from the U.S. Chamber. So there was a training every year for uh, three years I went to. I went to the University of Arizona, Arizona State, no, Arizona State. And um, I remember being in one of my classes and um, it was a African-American female who was from Atlanta, Georgia, who was going over the class. And we had to write in what are some of the challenges. We had to write on a piece of paper and put it in the book. And so she read this one. And I think I remember writing, um, so how do I get my colleagues to respect me? Mm. And she said, um, who wrote this? And so I'm sitting in this row and literally I raised my hand. And so she looks over at me and she says, you're cocky, you're arrogant, you're a know-it-all. She just starts going down this thing. And I just remember seeing myself just kind of like in the chair, like, this boy don't know me, why, why are you saying this stuff? And she ended it with, this is what individuals will, will go through their mind because you are the youngest person in the room. You are the, many times you may be the only African-American in there. So people have all of these misnomers about you. And sometimes they will automatically um, make these assumptions about you. And she said, at the end of the day, you've got a choice. You can either stand through it or you can leave. And I was like, I don't necessarily what I want to hear. <laughs> but, she, but it was, I had to take it in and kind of absorb that. And it really says that people aren't going to change overnight. And so this is where it goes back to where actions have more value than words. And so with my colleagues, uh, and sometimes I challenge younger folks to understand this is even when I started off talking about my job. I was able to work through the situation with my current boss because of what I went through at the chamber and from what that teacher explained to me. She's coming from a different generation. People are coming from a different generation. This is where that generational awareness, that, 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 that cultural awareness around is important. That it's not just about you, but you also have to understand about the other individuals that you're working with and understanding what they've come through and what, and, and, and you know, if you're the only black, you know, and a person of color in a room, um, some of them may not have had an experience or been around. Um, and guess what? I can't fault them, but how do I engage? 
if I come with a positiveness on it, regardless if I'm not met with the same thing, I can only control what I can do. And so you have to make a conscious decision. And that's what that woman was explaining to me, that if I want my colleagues to respect me, I have to do it with my actions and my deeds, and I have to be consistent. And that meant that I respected what they had to say. Um, I provided value. And maybe not all the times it was accepted. But over time, I built trust. And the same thing in those rooms, when you, you're a person, this is where you, with that cultural awareness, knowing who you are, knowing the fact that in sometimes in certain industries and things, you may be the only person there, guess what? Person remembers my name and they're like, hey, hey, Mario, I'm Carlos. You know, <laughs> so, you know, it's like, if you remember my name, you come to me, regardless of how it got to that, the fact that you remember my name, I'm going to greet you with the same level of energy, you know, and Absolutely. the same level of energy. And it's not like, oh man, you know, no, that appreciate the fact that they're even doing it. Because maybe sometimes you may be in a room and nobody says anything to you, but guess so, what? Nobody said anything to you. What did you say to them? And that's what we have to work through many times. We have to make sure that we're engaged. And for clarity, when I said what I said um, that you were responding to, it's more about the fact that it'll be a hundred plus people in this room and everyone remembers your name. Mm-hmm. And we ignore the fact that not we, but people ignore the fact that, let's be fair. Did you really expect me to remember 100 people's names that I met twice all in one room? So that's, that's what I'm calling out. The fact that you remember my name and I feel horrible because I'm like, come on, man, have a name badge. Have a name something. How about being national president and all of these people? And, you know, and I mean, everybody feel like a rock star. You did. I would memorize people by the chapters. Uh, I would remember where people were from. It took me about two or three times before I could remember people's names, man. But I've become a pro at it now. But even constituents, the people who have come up to me, if you approach me, hey, how you doing such such? I'm going to approach you with, the same level of energy. I may not know your name right off that. If it gets down into the conversation, I said, you know, can you remember, remind me of your last name again? Oh, appreciate that. Thanks. No, it takes me about two or three times just to remember his name, but I, I remember that smile, or, or I remember you were from such and such and such. Not that you totally forgot that person, but the respect that you remembered something. And people will be respectful, you know, oh, you know, oh yeah, you got that unique last name. You know, there's ways of being able to approach it to keep people at a comfort level. Um, and then people will accept it being respectful, you know, that hey, you're, you're trying. And those are things you learn in Toastmasters on a lot of places. I, I gotta say this, I wanna first say thank you. Um, because you, people don't know, know like I, I definitely know how to put the air um, mm-hmm. by myself if necessary. And I definitely did that many of times coming to conference. Uh, you don't, I know you helped me out that one time with being able to get into uh, one of the national conferences with uh, the leadership conference in yeah. New Orleans. And you, you don't know why that missed because I really wanted to be there. I really wanted to be among my peers. I really wanted to learn uh, the information that they had. And I, I made sure that regardless how late up at, late at night I stayed, I was gonna be there. I remember I drank almost, I was after coffee, half a gallon of coffee, and it didn't hit me until the end of the day when the conference ended. We were getting on the elevator, I was like, oh no, what's here now? Um, but the thing was, <laughs> what you don't know is like, like I said, I was a lonely case manager. I was making thirty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Like the suits I was wearing to the conferences, my mentor bought me four of my suits. Like I was wearing clothes that was bought for me. I, I, I remember my first conference um, that was in Birmingham with the, oh, the, the leadership conference. The one yeah, the lead conference. Yeah, the yeah, lead conference in Birmingham. I remember when we went to that. That was my first conference. I was I was probably five months into the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Ashley, my, my former president. Um, she. Like I was talking to her, I didn't have money. Like I'm like, I can't afford to ride the bus. So she was, she was going there. She helped me get connection with somebody so I could get a room for free because this was not happening. Like yeah. I had uh, members in uh, chapters, uh, Milwaukee. My my guy, he he actually helped me stay a night in one room. Like people didn't really realize because I would try to maintain certain things because mm-hmm. that's somewhat also what we're talking about. So first I want to say thank you for for that because you don't know how broke how poor I was because of the organization and the trainings. I was able to get to a point where I was able to live a life that's very comfortable for myself and a little bit better than comfortable for my mm-hmm. own. Um, but in the process, you had to know who you were and not allow when you go in that room to see because man, YP, anyone YP is filled with some of the most talent that you're ever gonna be surrounded by. Just black excellence is something phenomenal to see. It's like, like you know, in college, you go to Harvard or whatever, or Howard, you're like, oh, this is great. But I know I didn't know you. Y'all just students there. And kind of like, <laughs> these people are on their thing. And to be present and to know where you are and to have to show up as the person that you want to be, opposed to the person that you are, is really tough. And that's a part of that being the only person in that room. Because because she called you out to highlight a lot of things. And I, I joke about being humble a lot because it's like, sometimes people are always gonna put you in your place. And so if you get out of line, <laughs> at least you're ahead of line, by the time they put you back in your place. And some of the things I got from you was uh, build yourself up, um, be positive, because that's the one thing you can control. Uh, control self. Like, know how you need to engage outside of just being positive when you're there. But also take action. Be respectful to the people, even if they haven't shown respect to you. And build trust through your actual actions. And the last thing I'll say is I've, I definitely know and, and value those points because these are things that I struggle with my dang self when uh, I had my other job. Uh, I remember going to an event, and it was an absolute movie moment. I showed up um, in a part of Kentucky that was uh, best described as like kind of like the backwoods. Mm-hmm. Um, I showed up there from Cincinnati. I walk into the event in my suit. I would say, and they don't know. I took a picture of the event so, so I could always have the memory of what happened. When I tell you it was over 100 plus people, I was the only. When I walked in, after I signed my name and then I became visible, let's say it was 100 people, 70 to 80 people of that 100 all stopped. The music didn't stop, but it felt like it and looked for about two seconds. And people don't know how long two seconds feels until you were looked at by the entire room for two seconds when you walk in. And then I had to work through and engage everyone because I obviously was brand new and entry into that location. And everybody did that had one. And it was through a lot of things you're talking about, but there's also something I did. I'm sure you've done this before. And that was I found the person at the event 
that people respected, and he introduced me to Pete. There you go. Um, you found a person to give you street cred. Yeah, exactly. My person that gives me street cred. Yep. Uh, my my uh my advocate yep. for the event. So while we're wrapping up, um, I want you to share. What's that salary range um, for a person in your industry? I know you took a, a, a non-traditional way to get to this place, but if if I were to take the, the traditional route of I graduated college and I'm moving up the ranks, what is the actual entry level salary of a person who's say BA at least, mm-hmm. and uh, what's the level of salary I can have once I get my doctorate? If I decide to get that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to all determine based on the career path and the track that you take. Um, but you can realistically look at anywhere, um, like we were saying, uh, 30000 um, to almost maybe 50, 55, depending on your career set as a potential entry level. Um, and that really depends on is it, is it corporate, is it nonprofit? Um, you know, is it in the sciences or is it more, um, you know, social you know, services? Um, so there's a wide range and, and there's services that are out there, even LinkedIn offices, where you can research and understand where um, where your salary level is. But, I, but then I'll even preface this, that um, oftentimes uh, many of us are going to get degrees and we never work in that field. <laughs> um, and this is why I stress, and I really stress this to young folks, that don't think about a job, think about a career, think about, you know, the excitement, the enjoyment you get out of what you do. And this is why I don't think I've ever, why I haven't left nonprofit and gone back into corporate. Because in corporate, I know that, yeah, I can generate money, but I'm doing that for shareholders and others. But in my nonprofit world, I know that the dollars and the things that I'm doing is impacting people. And so that's kind of, it's an emotional thing for me. So as you begin to move up in management, um, depending on where you are, I mean, you can, you can honestly say that you can go from 55 until mid-level can be anywhere from 75 to 80 some odd thousand dollars. Um, and then you start getting into higher level um, management positions. And a lot of president CEOs um, or chief executive officers are making anywhere from low 90s up to, um, depending on what you're doing, you can get across it by that threshold and you're in um, your six figures. Um, and that can be anywhere lows to, to higher. Now I will say, Corporate will provide for you a lot of opportunities to make more of that, that those dollars. Um, there are fewer opportunities in nonprofit, per se, for some of those higher level um, CEO roles because, you know, you've got some of those and it's, it's not the profit. Um, but there are a lot of other great benefits that you're able um, to receive. Like, and I'll give, for example, for the company I work with, with I don't pay for insurance. I have a Cadillac plan. That's unheard of in today's day and age in respect that an employee that's still paying for your health, medical, dental, which means that all of those dollars that I would have paid out of pocket for my portion is staying in my pocket. So... What did I decide to do? Well, the money that I normally would have been taking to pay for health and insurance, I'm still taking that money out and I'm investing it into retirement and other things because I would have taken it out anyway. So there, there, there's different things that you can shift around to still benefit yourself, not just for the present, but also make investments for the future. Um, and so I, I leave that out there for others too, regardless of your salary piece. I encourage you to seek out a financial planner, to seek out early in your career, somewhere to sit down and help you to navigate where you want to go um, and the steps that you need to take now to be able to make sure that you have the financial security, even with looking at student loans and other things that you may have had to encumber um, and take upon yourself. Um, and when you were trying to get that degree, but how do you work some of those things out now so that you can reduce debt? Do you need to have that brand new lease car or car um, and paying a couple hundred dollars, or you take an extra couple hundred dollars and you knock it off that student loan and getting that bill out of the way so then you have more dollars to reinvest and utilize for yourself later? So, time, time, pause, pause, sit there. Remember everything you was about to say. Remember everything you was about to say. Because I just say many times 30000 I'm going to break it down because you said something. So people can see $30,000, depending on how you're living, and yeah. you, can, you, can, you can do okay. Mm-hmm. Now, me, I came out of school and I refused to get income based uh, student loan payments. So mm-hmm. I was paying about fifty. I mean, $555 a month. My salary, I was bringing in $1,800 a month total. So we were already getting $555. I paid 625 for rent. Uh, bills were, phone, that's about 100 Bills, bro, by the end of the month, I had about $100 or $200 total. And the car situation, that's why I had to say stop, was because I actually had a, before that got total, I had a Honda Accord. And I drove that thing all the time. Like, there was no bills on it. I've always had the uh, the rule of I pay my car insurance every six months, so I don't pay it once a month, so I don't even think about it. So I kept so much money. And that's been the major reason why, even during COVID, I'm able to get Navi out of my life. I'm able to get UC, ECSI from uh, UC out of my life. Uh, I, I'm, I'm practically done with my final student loan. I te- uh-huh. I'm technically done. Uh, that's a different story. <laughs> I'm very proud of not having to, 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 to pay it, but uh, I'm technically done. I'll say it like that. I'm still, I'll acknowledge that. Um, and it's all because I have a car that people look at and like, why are you driving? I absolutely can have a better car, but I'm reallocating those payments. And by 31, I'm done with student loans. While people are like, I'm going to live this forever. It's like, I got a raise because I got a student loan debt because I never, like, I always pay $555. Mm-hmm. And then I was adding more on there. Yeah. So keep going, man. I just want to make sure people understand why I talk salaries because people don't and people need to know the lifestyle because had I not had to pay five $150 a month, I could easily pay for conference, my flight, and, and, and the hotel. But I had to allocate all that over there. So people need to know that, yeah, I know that the 30000 so a lot of people are blessed to have that, and that is true. So 30000 entry level, no debt. Um, you might be able to do it. And I need people to know the numbers so they actually know how they can live when they see these opportunities. So yeah, that's why I have to live at 30000 forever. You know, yeah. you begin to start mapping out. Um, and then you then it uses it as inspiration to start moving up and making necessary, necessary steps to find new opportunity. But, um, you know, don't ever sleep on that entry level position because guess what? Once you have that position and if you've done a great stellar job, you now have experience that's on your resume that you can utilize for the next opportunity. And I knew at Bank of America when I was in training, 
when all my other class uh, training classmates were out talking and all this other stuff, I would literally sit in the computer lab at the bank in the training area and I would research the bank's website. I would look at the various programs and things that they had. I was literally beginning to map out my plan. And I knew that at Bank of America, you could start posting out for other positions as early as six months after your current position. Well, I was already navigating as to where I'm going to go. So, you know, 30,000 is cool, you know, and but you got to start putting things in perspective that, um, you know, like I got six more payments left on my car. And I was telling my best friend about that uh, earlier today. Um, you know, I'm really loving the way that the new Hyundai is not looking. I mean, it's got a nice new body. I'm also, you know, I'm saying, oh, you know, maybe I want an SUV. You know, I love the Genesis. You know, it's just, I said, you know what? I'm going to use the next three to four years um, to take the amount of money that I was paying because I literally was paying for my current car plus because the Hyundai, they allow you to upgrade. So I only have other cars, which are brand new, two years. So I literally had two car payments in one. So that was an immense amount of money coming out. And I said, six more months, and now I'm going to take that. I'm going to take $100 off of that payment, and that's going to go into a, um, an account that I'm going to use strictly for maintenance because my car will be older. So if I get hit with anything, I got something I can pull from. But the other remaining is paying off bills, paying off student loans because the objective is, is that by the time the 2025 hits here, I'll be four, I want to be definitely. Yeah, man. So do me a favor. Uh, share your final thoughts if, if you have any. Um, you you didn't say so much. I'd love for you to, to to share what you feel like you need people to leave here with knowing. Um, never don't have any should have could have would have moments. Um, in other words, be willing to put yourself out there. Um, be willing to take rejection. Um, and turn that around into an opportunity to learn and be better. Um, and going back again, it's not all about what you know, but go ahead and absorb all the information you possibly can. If there's programs out there for you to receive additional training or certifications, LinkedIn offers different testing things that you can take and, and others do that because those things all add to your overall professional development. And remember, you can know everybody out there. Oh, I know that person, but are you networking? Are you putting yourself in position and in place so that people get to know you and they know your work? So that when the opportunities come around, you're one of the top three people that um, or persons that come to mind for those next opportunities. Um, remember your brand. Your name is your brand, your code, the work ethic that you have is your brand, um, and that if you put all those things together and that you're focused and you give up your time um, in the community and find out and seek out organizations and other opportunities, that all those things become transferable skill sets for you so they will ultimately pay off for you in the long run. So you've got to begin to plant the seeds now. Use your time, talent, and your treasure to cultivate that so that it can grow into a blossom opportunity for you in the future. Man, thank you, thank you, thank you. As you all see, like I told you all, he's going to give us a whole bunch of wealth of knowledge, as I expected. Um, I really appreciate this. I, I feel that you provided so many different conversations for us to have that are going to benefit so many different people. I personally want to say, based off of what we did today and how much we kind of talked about money a little bit more, and I want to bring this up because people, you need to know, ask people about money. Because I know traditionally it's taboo, it's something we avoid, but how often do you say or have you said, I want to be rich, I want to be wealthy? We need to put a number on these things. We need to know what our number is by adding up what the bills are related to the lifestyle we want to live. That way we know what type of positions we're taking on and what type of lifestyle that may um, provide for us. So definitely, 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 if you need to go back and re-listen to this, uh, I'm going to make sure that I continue to find more amazing, talented people that I look up to um, doing jobs that I find impressive and keep sharing them with you all. So like that, uh, be great and do it easy. Man, I appreciate your time, bro. Hey, anytime, Mark. You know I'm, I'm here to support you. Go ahead.